Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Slice of Life on this Saturday. I hope your weekend is starting off on the right foot, and uh, we are delighted to be here. This is our new time slot. We're here every Saturday from 9 o'clock to 9.30 talking to newsmakers and people who are in all fields. This is the only true lifestyle show in Buffalo Radio, and I'm privileged to be able to host the show. We'll talk to uh, event planners. Uh, we'll talk about the ever-emerging food scene in the Buffalo market, legal, medical, uh, insurance, real estate, you name it. If you have any guest suggestions, I welcome your comments and your feedback. My direct line is 843-0651, 843-0651. And certainly feel free to look me up on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to catch me on Twitter, I'm there as well. Well, what a special show we have in store for you this weekend. Um, I'm really impressed with the um, the medical community in the Buffalo market and the emerging medical corridor. We talk about the emerging food scene, but there's so much happening in the Buffalo medical corridor. And also, not only in the city, but also uh, a little bit north across those two Grand Island bridges, there are a lot of wonderful things happening at Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center. And somebody who knows both hospitals well is my guest. This gentleman is Dr. Sai Yendamuri. And uh, Dr. Yendamuri, welcome to Slice of Life. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you here. And you have uh, pretty impressive credentials, Doc, I would say. You're the chair of the thoracic surgery uh, at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center and the attending surgeon at Roswell. But you also work one day a week, if I understand correctly, at the Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center in the falls. That's correct. That's an endeavor we've just started this year. Oh, so this is a brand new sort of collaborative effort at Niagara Falls with Roswell. That's correct. Um, Doctor, what was the kind of the impetus for that? Why, why would you decide to do that? So, you know, for the longest time, uh, you know, patients, you know, Roswell Park has always been uh, the premier cancer provider, uh, you know, in this part of the country. And for the longest time, patients would come to Roswell, get their treatment and head back and have their follow up closer to home. Uh, what we have realized over the last few years is that it's uh, important for our services to be available to patients closer to their home. And Niagara Falls Memorial is an important provider in the region, uh, in in the Niagara Falls area, and so we chose to partner with them to provide these uh, services closer to patients' uh, homes so that it's easier for them to uh, uh, to access this uh, it makes level of care. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it's great that you're willing to uh, do that. I imagine yeah. you have an easy pass in your car. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's terrific. But, Doctor, in the short time that you've been at Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center, do you see um, more cases of lung cancer there versus, uh, I guess, what you would consider to be a traditional ca- uh, cancer center? Can you make that comparison, or is that apples and oranges? Uh, it's, it's too early to say, mm-hmm. but we do have... You know, we've treated patients from the Niagara Falls area for many, many years. Sure. And certainly, you know, there are a large number of uh, patients, uh, you know, with lung cancer that get treated at Roswell every year from that area. Uh, so, you know, we have been treating patients from that area. The, the difference with this new endeavor is that we just treat them closer to home. Right, right, which yeah. I, I think is probably going to be a trend yeah. that would continue, uh, yes. I should hope. And, Doctor, we talked about uh, your credentials, the chair of the thoracic surgery department. And for folks who may not know some of the terminology, yeah. we want to make right. sure we understand this correctly. When you hear the word thoracic, does that 
refer to the chest area? Is that, is that a fair assumption? That's correct. So generally, thoracic surgery in the United States means uh, surgery that's related to the chest. That includes heart and uh, lungs and the food pipe and the lining of the chest uh, and the area called the mediastinum, which is the place between the two lungs and the heart. Now, within this area, there are several specializations. Uh, one common specialty is cardiovascular surgery, where surgeons operate on the heart. And then there's congenital heart surgery, which is heart surgery, but in children in the pediatric age group. And then there's this third group, which is general thoracic surgery, which is surgery performed on all other organs uh, of the chest apart from the heart. So all thoracic surgeons are, are sort of board certified in, in all three areas, but in academic thoracic surgery, we subspecialize further. So my subspecialization is in general thoracic surgery, which is organs of the chest apart from the heart. I see. Okay, that's very interesting to know the difference because I wasn't quite sure if it was considered a separate you know, practice or if it all fell under the rather broad umbrella. Right. Yeah, it, and, yeah. and I want to delve into some of the uh, lung cancer basics. Right. But before we do, Doctor, I have to say I, I'm so impressed with your credentials, too, because... Uh, you have your medical degree uh, in your home in your native land of India. Right. But then you came to the U.S., um, you moved to the U.S., and you worked as an intern at MD Anderson, one of the most prestigious cancer yeah. centers in the country, yeah. if not the world. And then you came to New York at the Cornell Weill Center. That's right. And then also in Delaware you worked. That's right. I did, uh, I did a lot of my surgical training in the Northeast. I started as an intern at Penn and ah. then uh, went on to do uh, a surgical residency in that area. I also spent two years uh, doing basic science research during that time and then went on to do my, uh, uh, to a fellowship at, uh, at MD Anderson. And after I finished my fellowship, I, my first job as an attending surgeon was at Roswell, and that's where I've been for the last 11 years. Did you know when you were in medical school that the thoracic area was of interest to you? Is it something that you kind of instinctively know, or does it develop as you're going through the different rotations? Well, uh, paradoxically, my choices in med school were either psychiatry or surgery. Oh, really? <laughs> which is uh, sort of two ends of the spectrum, I guess. Right, and here you are with a thoracic surgeon. <laughs> right, but as a, as an inter, as a, in my final year of med school, it was very clear that I wanted to be a surgeon. Yes, yes. Oh, that's so interesting. It always uh, fascinates me how, yeah. in particular, medical yeah. professionals decide what specialty to right. really delve into. Obviously, you're well-rounded. Uh, so when it comes to lung cancer basics, Things have changed dramatically over the years, right? That's right. What uh, What are some of the major changes that you've seen over the years? Right. So um, the number of changes that have happened in the last five years are so many. But let me go through it uh, sort of step by step. Yes, please. The first step with uh, uh, you know in treating lung cancer is detecting it. And the big advance there is detecting it early. About five years, six years ago, the National Lung Screening Trial came out with impressive results that if you do CT screening in that's computerized tomography or CT scan-based mm -hmm. screening of, lung, of patients with potential lung cancer, that is smokers with more than 30-pack years of smoking, there was a 20% reduction in death due to lung cancer in those patients who were screened. And so that has increasingly caught on and becoming more and more popular, and that we see patients... Uh, more patients with stage 1 lung cancer than we've ever seen. So when I started practicing, it was very rare to see a lung cancer less than 2 centimeters in size. Really? Now and it's routine. No kidding. It would uh, 2 centimeters would be what kind of stage? 2 or 3? Uh, it, it would be a stage 1, 
but it would still be a, a reasonable size stage one. I see. Now it's routine for us to see lung cancer patients that have a centimeter size lesion or one and a half centimeters. And there are two particular advantages to finding lung cancer at this early stage. The first is that uh, you know the cure rate is higher when sure. we dissect these tumors. And the second is that we can do the same operation by taking a less, uh, a lower amount of lung. Now, you have to realize a lot of these patients who come to us with lung cancer are people who smoke. That means their lung is already partially damaged. And the amount of lung that you want to take in these patients should be as little as possible mm -hmm. to preserve lung function. You don't want you don't want the cure to be worse than the disease. Exactly. Yes. Right. So they're they're already compromised because of the effect that the smoke has had on the lungs. Correct. And then on top of that, you may detect a cancer. Correct. And so if you can detect this cancer that's a, at a very small size, we you know not our, our default operation for lung cancer is something called a lobectomy, which is you take about half the lung on one side. But if you find tumors that are less than a centimeter, often we don't have to do a lobectomy. If really? the pathology is right, no. you can do something called a segmentectomy, which is a portion of a lobe. Now, clearly, if you, if you take less lung, they have more breathing capacity left. Makes sense, yes. Yeah. Doctor, when somebody presents with a cancer in the lung, is it generally in one lung or both lungs? Or do you see both situations? Yes, we see both, both situations. And increasingly, we are seeing situations in which you can have uh, what's called synchronous uh, lung cancer, which is uh, many lung cancers up, appearing at the same time. And I think we're seeing more and more of these because of lung cancer screening. So would the gold standard then be CAT scan? That's correct. That's it, right? That's Not correct. MRI? No. Um, this experiment was performed with a chest X-ray many, many years ago, and that wasn't sensitive enough to, f to have a survival advantage. So the gold standard is a, cat, is a CT scan. I see. Yeah. And what are some of the common symptoms one might experience? So the best way to find lung cancer is if you don't have symptoms. That's if you're a smoker okay. and you go in for a screening uh, CAT scan and you find a lung cancer there, that's the best way to find it. Now, you can have symptoms. You can have weight loss. You can have bone pains. You can have a cough. Uh, you can mm -hmm. uh, cough up blood, which what is called hemoptysis, uh, and so on. But typically, by the time you have symptoms, a lot of the cancers are in advanced stage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of our main goals is to find this cancer in patients who don't have symptoms. Do you think people should be screened routinely, like as we do for mammograms, for instance, right. or colonoscopies? That is now the national guideline, provided they, you know, there are some clear uh, inclusion criteria. Not, every, not everybody uh, should be screened, but patients who have a substantial smoking history between the ages of, say, 55 and 75 should definitely be screened. Now, should a 50-year-old with a substantial smoking history be screened? Probably, and those are on the verge of the guidelines mm -hmm. and people debate it, but by and large, generally, if you're a heavy smoker, uh, you should consider screening. What about somebody who smoked, uh, say, in their teen and young adult years and then quit? Where, where do they fall into their risk? So, so the, the, um, uh, the guideline is that if you have a 30-pack year smoking history, that is, uh, you know, and a pack year is calculated as if you smoked one pack of cigarettes a day for a year, that's one pack year. Gotcha. So you, you calculate that based on the number of packs of cigarettes you smoked, uh, you know, over the years. And so if you have a 30-pack year smoking history, then, uh, uh, you know, you're a candidate for screening. That's so interesting. So you have a formula that you can abide That's by, right? right? <laughs> and yeah. it's got to be fascinating to patients who come in and say, you know, 
I probably am embarrassed to tell you, but I smoked for X number of years, right. and you can still screen them. That's right. Are they usually open to it, or do you find that a lot of people want to, you know, live in the land of denial and put their hand, head in the sand? Well, by the time they come to me, they're open There's to prob- it, yeah, which is why they self-select. Right. They self-select. But, you know, doctor, if somebody spits up blood, it could be mm-hmm. any number of things, right? Correct. You shouldn't necessarily panic if you see that. Absolutely. The most common cause of, uh, of, of blood when someone coughs is actually not lung cancer. Hmm. It's just COPD. And so, um, no, they shouldn't panic. But certainly, it's something to be uh, checked on. It's not something you blew off. Right. It's something you, you, you know, get imaging or the proper workup done to yes. make sure that it's not something more serious. It's, uh, it's always sort of the fine line. Do, am I right. overreacting or right. should I really be more safe than sorry? I, right. I think people really struggle with that. Uh, well, you must see that day to day. Yes, and you should be more safe than sorry. I totally agree with you there. We have much more to come in the next segment with Dr. Sai Yendamuri. He is the Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center Thoracic Surgery Chair. Try to fit that all in a business card. Uh, and Dr. Yendamuri also practices once a week up at the Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center, a place that's really making great strides in our community. We'll talk about uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her lung cancer right after this. Are you a fan of succulent hand-carved beef and turkey? Do you like having fish fries available every day? Then come experience fresh, scratch-made favorites at the historic Glen Park Tavern in the heart of Williamsville. The Glen Park Tavern's hand-carved beef and turkey are available in-house or for parties as well. Enjoy a delicious selection of hearty salads, sides, and soups seven days a week. Visit the Glen Park Tavern on Main near Cayuga in Williamsville. It's not just a meal, it's an experience. Need investment advice? Saperson Asset Management, the Dollar Doctors, have managed retirement accounts for years. They'll manage your account right where it is. No need to transfer. Call them for a no-obligation meeting. Saperson, exceedingly helpful, surprisingly affordable. And tune in to the Dollar Doctors, Saturdays 10 till 11 on ESPN 1520. Get individual stock evaluations. For professional account management, call Saperson, 854-7541, or check out saperson.com. Securities and investment services offered through Bright Securities Corp. Member FINRA, MSRB, and SIPC. If you have news about the latest happenings around the Buffalo Niagara region, contact Brenda during the week at 843-0651. That's 843-0651. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. And welcome back to this edition of Slice of Life. As always, I appreciate the work done by Kevin Carr behind the scenes for us. The K Carr pushing all the buttons for us, keeping us on the air and uh, very much a key part of the show. We are here this week uh, with a focus on medical issues, particularly thoracic uh, issues, and more commonly known as lung issues. Is that right, doctor? I mean, we're talking in this case with Dr. Cy Yendamuri, who is uh, the chair of the thoracic surgery department at Roswell Park. And they recently partnered with Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center, bringing great care to patients in Niagara County and the surrounding areas. And doc, we were talking about the evolution of how treatment has changed for lung cancer over the years. Still a serious and hard to treat diagnosis, but you have better treatment options uh, more than ever, including minimally invasive ways to treat people. When you hear the term minimally invasive, what does that mean to a layperson like me? 
So in the past, for us to take out a tumor in the lung, we'd have to make an incision that's about 7 to 10 inches, depending on, the, I guess, the size of the hand of the surgeon, <laughs> right? And then you'd have to divide a rib, separate the ribs. As you can imagine, mm. wrenching the ribs open to get in there is, is reasonably painful. Yes. And then you would, you would do the operation. But nowadays, you can do the same operation with two or three small incisions, Typically, we use two incisions that are about a centimeter, centimeter and a half, and one incision that's about three to four centimeters. We don't have to stretch ribs. We don't have to cut any ribs. And we go in there. We put a scope through one, instruments through the other ports. We dissect out the tumor or the portion of the lung that has the tumor, put it in a bag, and pull it out. And, Unbelievable. Yeah, and clearly the recovery is so oh. different. It's like night and day. Night, you know, you took yeah. the words right out of my yeah. mouth. What a difference for that patient who will yeah. recover so much faster right. and not be so traumatized by it. And it probably uh, lessens the risk of infection, right? Absolutely. The risk of postoperative pneumonia is typically yes. cut roughly by half. Fantastic. Uh, you know, the time they spend in the hospital. In the past, it was routine for patients to stay five to seven days in the hospital. Nowadays, it averages three to four days. Uh, you know, when I was training, it was unheard of to operate uh, on an 80-year-old uh, because you had to make such a big incision. The oldest patient uh, that I've operated on in, uh, in the last 10 years is 93. Really? And we can actually get, <laughs> get these patients through because uh, of, the, of the minimally invasive nature of the, of the uh, surgery. Remarkable, doctor. It's yeah. got to keep it fresh for you, too. Yeah. I mean, the way things are happening yeah. and developing in your field. Uh, constant learning, I would imagine, is uh, at the oh, forefront of what you do? Absolutely. Ten years out of fellowship, 50% of what you do is not what you've learned during fellowship. Isn't that amazing? That's well, I would have never is. thought the percentage yeah. was that high. Yeah. That's really remarkable. When you go in to do this minimally invasive procedure, do you go in through the front, the chest, or through, through the, the back? It'd oh, be going through the side. None of the above. Okay. That's right. <laughs> and it's typically the way it's done. So then what guides you? Are you doing it under some sort of imaging? or We have, we have a, a, a thor- what we call a thoracoscope, which is essentially uh, sort of a telescope that has a very high-definition wide view. Nowadays, uh, uh, for example, at Roswell, we have uh, what we call 3D video assistance. That is, I put on a pair of glasses just like a 3D movie, and I, can, I have depth perception uh, when I do the surgery. Wow. So it's actually, uh, it makes it quicker, easier, um, easier to dissect around delicate structures, uh, and so that makes it safer for the patient. So uh, once you've decided that surgery is necessary, um, do people have to do anything to prepare for surgery or, you know, and conversely, what's it like after surgery for them? Is there a lot of rehab? Is there a lot of breathing rehab? That's an excellent question. So, um, you know, we do have, we teach them breathing exercises and so on. And Mm -hmm. that was the, that was the uh, standard uh, preparation for surgery. Recently, in the last year or so, we've started something called prehabilitation. So for those patients that we that we think are at high risk for postoperative complications, including postoperative pneumonia, we actually send them to a physical therapist ahead of time. So they get there uh, just like you would prepare for a marathon. Right. Right. So they prepare for surgery with specialized breathing exercises, including increasing their breathing capacity in preparation for surgery. Because they will then recover that much quicker? 
Correct. Yeah, great. So that is uh, one of our major initiatives. Actually, we have a grant from the NIH to study this uh, more carefully and look in, look at parameters uh, uh, to optimize this. That's fantastic. Um, you said before that the number one risk is smoking, correct, right. for lung cancer? That's correct. What about, um, doctor, people who are diagnosed with lung cancer who never smoked? That's is right. that an odd occurrence, or do you see that quite a bit? It's actually a reasonable proportion. About somewhere about 15% of all lung cancers in the United States are in, in patients who've never smoked. And, uh, you know, there are uh, a number of causes that we think can cause this. One of them is secondhand smoking. Mm-hmm. The second is radon. Um, and, really? And, and, and so on. And then there's some industrial uh, sort of pollutants that have been linked to lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, in some areas of the world, like India and China, um, pollution is thought to be a major contributor. Right. Uh, because in those areas, the proportion of never smokers who develop uh, lung cancer is actually uh, higher than the United States. And, and it's so, so heavily populated, too. Correct. Yeah. And, Doc, what about in areas like, I, I was in uh, Rome last year, um, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking about all the traffic, and it's so chaotic. I don't know right. if you've been to Italy. Right. <laughs> but the traffic right. is absolutely insane. And it seems like there's a lot of pollution from vehicles. I don't know if they have the same standards that we right. practice here in the U.S. Are things like that, for example, exhaust fumes, are right. those risk factors for people? So I, I think they are. It depends on, on how uh, how much the pollution level is. Mm-hmm. The data on the correlation between pollution and lung cancer is a little bit on the weaker side. More of that data is emerging actually in in countries like China and India. I see. Because if you think Rome is polluted, you should see Shanghai. Is that right? Or, or yeah. New Delhi. Really? It's Those are really... You probably laugh about yeah, Rome, yeah, yeah. right? Those yeah. are really populated. Do you worry about yourself? I mean, having spent a lot of time yeah. there and you went to school there. Right. Do you, do you test yourself? Well, I don't test myself because I'm not, I'm I'm not a smoker, mm-hmm. so it, I really wouldn't qualify for that test. Right, um, and but you're young. W- but but when I grew up, uh, it wasn't that polluted. I see. It's very different between then and now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's just because of the population influx? Population, more automobiles. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, very few people in India when I grew up owned cars. They mm-hmm. own cars, but a, a minority of the population. Now everyone has a car. Yes. The roads aren't any 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 more than that. So <laughs> it's it's a it's a different environment. It now. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was recently in the news. Uh, the Supreme Court justice who broke a rib, and when they were examining her, found out indeed that she had lung cancer, which was just quite by accident. Right. Um, Doctor, what about, uh, you mentioned about a, a patient you had in uh, in their 90s, but this woman is in her late 80s and she's right. had other issues. Right. Um, is that something one can recover from at that age and with her other health history being somewhat tenuous? Uh, absolutely. Now, I don't know the details of uh, her particular case, but in general, that's uh, the best way to discover a lung cancer. That's mm-hmm. incidentally. You get an X-ray or a CT scan for some other purpose, and then you find it. Now, I, I assume that the case was done minimally invasively, uh, and if that's the case, uh, you know, an 88-year-old, a fit 88-year-old like uh, uh, Ms. Ginsburg would recover quite well. Yeah, that's great. I remember yeah. seeing a, a story about her in 60 Minutes, how she exercises, works out with a trainer. I thought, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, she would put me to shame. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably more fit than the two of us, I know. It's amazing, but you go, girl. I think yeah. that's terrific. If somebody suspects there's a problem, doctor, do they have to, uh, is there a referral process to see you, or can somebody just simply call 
Roswell or Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center and ask to see you or somebody in your department? That's correct. They could call either center and ask to see me or anyone of, uh, of the surgeons in my department. We are a group of six surgeons, uh, and I think all my partners are accomplished thoracic surgeons, and I would trust any of my family members to be taken care of. Wow, that, that to me is the gold yeah. standard. If yeah. you would send your yeah. family members to you know, a colleague, um, I think that's quite an endorsement. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, too, about um, the the awareness of cancer. Um, I think Roswell does a phenomenal job getting the word out and just the presence they have in the downtown medical corridor. And I think Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center is doing similar things um, up in that county. Do you think um, people are less afraid of the word cancer now? I hope so. And uh, one of the goals of a program like this is to make them less afraid. Yes. Because, uh, as, uh, as I mentioned, every six months we have an advance in cancer that betters the lives of mm-hmm. patients with cancer, whether it be with minimally invasive surgery, with new modes of immunotherapy, with more uh, sophisticated radiation delivery. Uh, every six months we have an advance. And I think the pace of advances is only going to grow exponentially. So I think that if someone hears the word cancer, um, I, I don't think it's the death sentence it was 25 years ago. Yes. What an incredible, um, incredible strides have been made yeah. in that respect. Um, I think the word still throws terror into our hearts no matter what. But uh, as you said, the screening process is so much better, yes. so much more advanced. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Doc, but looking down the road now, what do you foresee uh, at Roswell and Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center in terms of advances? So I think that, uh, you know, surgery is going to get more and more minimally invasive. It's going to get more and more lung sparing. Uh, And there are also going to be advances in uh, chemotherapy, in immunotherapy, that are going to make more patients curable and resectable. So increasingly, I think we will see patients with more advanced lung cancer who will respond very well to uh, chemotherapy and immunotherapy or modern methods of, of, of immunotherapy that will act, actually get them more on the cure side of the curve Beautiful. rather than palliation. Yeah. That's the right C word is yeah. cure. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about that, Doc. And, you know, since this program is streamed, people okay. can listen anywhere in the world, quite literally. But if somebody in the U.S. or Canada is listening, uh, is do you encourage them to call Roswell or Niagara Falls Memorial Medical, or do you have to live in this area? No, absolutely. Anyone can call us. We'd be happy to provide an opinion, and we'd be happy to look at their case and see if uh, uh, if there's something that we can offer that other centers can't, right. and we'd be very happy to provide that opinion. Do you often get people from out of this area? Absolutely. Uh, we get people from uh, from all over the country. We often do get patients from outside the country as well. The doctor has been in for the last half hour, Dr. Sai Yendamuri, uh, the chair of thoracic surgery and the attending surgeon at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center here in Buffalo. And also the doctor is practicing up at Niagara Falls Memorial Medical Center once a week. Doctor, I commend you. Thank you so much for all your hard work and for being a huge part of our community. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.